Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Brands Tech. The interview show will begin in just one moment, so please stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Brandon, and welcome to this episode of the interview show right here on Brands Tech. I hope that everyone has been doing well. So today, I'm happy to have my guest for today, Charles. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, it's nice to be here. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, as I as I always do, I'm going to start off by first asking, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's all I have to say, really. It's been a boring week, so nothing really interesting. All right. Well, I'm just glad that you're doing all right. So, so for you, I know that, yeah, that... Similar to me, you actually you know, are quite interested in, you know, a lot of different parts of, you know, both technology and, you know, and the business side of things. And so, you know, and so before we go ahead and get started with today's topic, especially more in relation with, you know, consumer technology, you know, can you tell us actually a little bit about, you know, I guess your interest in, you know, in the technology and business field? Sure. Well, Specifically regarding like the intersection of business and technology, for the most part, I've been really interested in the idea of how consumer interaction with technology really drives the growth and innovation of the technology sector. And more specifically, how we as consumers have inadvertently caused many of technology, many technological growths and side effects, I guess you could say, and how like how our actions and in many cases inactions cause a lot of these business practices and behaviors to occur and how like in a way we can be responsible for correcting and or rectifying love behaviors that may or may not be detrimental to consumers well yeah well i'm just really glad that first of all that you are willing to be here today on my podcast and so you know i think over these past few years we've seen a lot of you know, technology not necessarily, you know, change, but rather, you know, evolve over time. You know, we're not really at the point right now where we have a lot of big, you know, standout devices that really have changed the game, whether or not a new innovation or just popularizing it. For example, like the, like a lot of people point out, like to the iPhone in 2007, the first, then the first Android phone, which was the T-Mobile T- um, G1 ever known as the HTC Dream in 2008 and so on, you know, we haven't had a lot of big standout devices like that in quite a while. And almost every type of device, especially smartphones, are becoming more and more similar. And so what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, definitely. I think when it comes to technology, and especially right now, we've, I think, I believe we've come to a point where we saw it had, I guess, a plateau in innovation. I really, I think there's two points to that. Like one point is the fact that we've somewhat been having diminishing returns on designs and the innovation, uh, technological innovation. And the other part is the fact that the business side of things don't really allow technology to grow. And what I mean by that is that when it comes down to it, it's just somewhat profitable to keep things as the way they are, is it not? Like fundamentally, you may upgrade the specs, the the specifications, like the power behind the smartphone and whatnot. But fundamentally, they're still the same thing because the usability of that one device is still very profitable, right? Like an iPhone now, like what more do you really need on an iPhone rather than just the ability just to go on the internet, go on social media and do all that whatnot, right? 
Like, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm, um, I'm coming at a lack of thought right now. No, you're good. But yeah, I mean, yeah, really, it's like, you know, going through and seeing the different stuff, it's like everything is more so like an evolution now of what we had before as opposed to real innovation. And like you said, you know, at this point, it's like, what really more can we add that would really be a useful addition? You know, everything now is more so just a, almost like an ease of use sort of thing. Like, a, you know, the screen, maybe you make it a little bigger. Do we really need all those bezels or, you know, switching over charging ports from like micro USB to USB type C and stuff of that nature? Yeah, I mean, really, it's kind of it's kind of the idea of like, what more can we really do? We've somewhat like reached this point where we kind of have like the perfect form factor in a sense. We're like, it's both easy to use, it's like very comfortable, and it's like you know very reliable. Like, um, and like, and in a way, like there's the the, the fact that we've kind of reached this like this ideal form factor means that that we don't really need to innovate in a sense. Right, we just like upgrade the specs and you know just call it a day and it still makes money in the end of the day so why not change uh, so why change it you know just keep the way to keep the things uh the way they are yeah that is very true and yeah and i think one of the things that yeah a part of that too is that back then we had a lot of various different companies you know from yeah and back then even various different operating systems like across devices that constantly compete with each other so they would all have to constantly you know innovate to, in order to you know, really stay in line it was either you know you can form to the new norm or you're you know taken out and so where we used to have you know players such as you know blackberry and nokia's various operating systems windows phones and all of that we're now just down to the yeah the classic android versus ios debate yeah i mean like over the years, we've seen so many companies like rise and fall, like what HTC, LG, BlackBerry, Nokia, all those companies. And really, what this has caused is it really has caused like this somewhat like duopoly in a sense, where Samsung and Apple now basically own the entire market space of smartphones, at least for like the Western markets. And because of this, they don't really need to compete in a sense that they need to innovate in a wildly new way to somewhat broaden their appeal for their products because they already have these established bases because they have such a large market share. So all they really need to do is just somewhat slightly innovate more than the other company and then just call it a day because in the end, they still have that same consumer base. And because there's no really other option to go to, right? Like, can you really name like a viable competitor in like the US market space, right? Like you may have like, sure, people may say like the Pixel or maybe like the I don't know, maybe the Xperia, if you could really count that. But honestly, there's no real other options for phones. And so you're either kind of just forced to go Samsung or Apple, and they kind of know this. And they're like, you know, let's just use it to our advantage. We don't really need to make anything big anymore since we kind of just already own the market. So let's just like add these more iterative changes. And people are comfortable with that, you know? Um, familiar is better in a sense. And it's kind of had this point, we're kind of at this point now where I, the market's no longer producing anything interesting, right? Yeah, that is very true. And you know, and I think a part of that, like I think based off of what he's what you just said, it actually had made me think of a few things. One one of them is actually what are your thoughts about, you know, how LG has recently announced that they're that they will be departing from the smartphone world. 
Yeah. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing is it's a real shame, honestly. I think with LG because LG was one of those few companies that actually somewhat had like a decent chance of competing with Samsung at least on some level, at least when it came to the market uh, Android market space. And the fact that they actually kind of tried to do something, at least with the LG Wing, uh, you know, kind of had a I don't know, kind of the the release of the LG Wing kind of had, uh, made me feel that LG was actually trying to do something, and that they're actually trying to take the tactic of one-upping Samsung by using like innovative like smartphone designs, adding like these new interesting form factors like with the wing that like, you can like turn it out to like a T or whatnot. And stuff like this is like, the fact that LG is not gone, just like, well, there goes kind of our big competitor. And because of that, Samsung is now basically like, um, Samsung is basically competitiveless in the um, Android market space. I mean, like who honestly can go against like such a behemoth of a Titan? And so now we're kind of just like, as I said before, we're stuck back to this like smartphone duopoly between Apple and Samsung. Yeah, yeah very true. And and yeah, I know some would argue that you know Huawei is also a rather big competitor, but at, at this present point, not in the United States at least, but you know, but I think you know, like you said, it's just really the fact that we no longer have such fierce competition anymore, and that the market has become so stable that. You know, really, it's it's come to the point where, yeah, as you said, there's not there's not a lot of real competition, real any reason to change things. I mean, I remember back when everyone was so excited to get out of their yeah their two year contracts and you know move on to the next device or switch carrier to carrier. But now, you know, we've become accustomed to whatever you know whatever we're we're used to. So whether you know. You know, so for people, it's like if you have this phone, you just keep it until until it dies, really, and then you just move on to whatever the newest one is of that, you know, of that uh, of that brand wrapper. So like, like I know some people they had, you know, they had whatever, you know, whatever Galaxy or iPhone or whatever the case may be, and you know, just keep it until it doesn't work, then just purchase whatever the newest one is, or. You know, or whether it's like the Pixel device or what um, from Google or whatever the case may be. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think what you say with the brand loyalty part definitely plays a big factor in this because, as consumers, we become very, very we've been swept up in the idea of staying loyal to a brand and just keeping up with like the latest model. Like I know for one, I am a advent. Uh, Somewhat of an Advent Pixel user, uh, I've had the two, and I'm right now I'm using the five. And to be honest with you, I don't really think the Pixel is a good investment. But because I've been, I've I've already bought into the Pixel markets or the ecosystem of the Pixel phone, so to speak, I've become somewhat like invested. It's like this uh, sunk cost fallacy in a sense, where like. I'm already in it. Uh, I already have all my stuff on it. So, you know, why did not get the newest version? Just like keep the old stuff. And so because of this somewhat like this, I guess you could say once more like this sunk cost fallacy thing, we've been stuck in this brand loyalty. And this has also contributed to the fact that there's like this technological plateau where we don't really want to innovate, innovate anymore because people are already in our ecosystems, right? We kind of already got them trapped in there. Like, I think the biggest example that everyone loves to point to is the uh, Apple and their like iOS uh, um kind of like the wall garden of their ecosystem and how they're basically, kind of basically trapped in it once you get into it. And I think, I, yeah, this has definitely put a big part into like the stagnation of law technology. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think, 
what's interesting about that too is at the same time it's like i know some people who you know they are long time like anti-apple users in a sense but um or even actually the other way around too and you know it's at this point where it's like they don't care anymore and you know and it, it made me think about it for a bit but at the same time you know really being able to process that it's like at this point in time it's like no matter what side you're on it's like almost everyone has the same like features give or take minus maybe one or two where it's it's so much easier to do especially when you're not as invested in that ecosystem yeah definitely i mean like comparatively like the difference between ios and android is going like smaller by the day i mean realistically what is there to android that really makes it worthwhile over apple apple's ios market these days i mean like they've re- ios has recently added widgets and whatnot and they're becoming closer and closer to a lot of the custom uh, ability of android in a sense that Android is always touted as one of their major features. And it's really come down to the fact that the only thing that Android really has special to it is that you can just sideload apps. But realistically, as a like you know, just like a normal consumer, who really silos apps? Who cares about that kind of stuff? Who cares about um, debugging features and um, you know all that other other kind of stuff? Like, re- like in the end, these two ecosystems are becoming more and more the same. And so people don't really want to switch because there's no really incentive to switch. Yeah, and you know, I really couldn't agree more. And like I said, and I think the only other ones I could really see would just be, you know, for the most part, would be the you know the connector, whether you, you know for Android or and other very smaller competitors to it using USB Type C and then iOS devices using Lightning. But yeah, but realistically, then you can always get this an adapter, and you know, kind of just like nullifies the argument. So. You know, and I think continuing on, you know, this path of consumer products, I know, you know, to my knowledge, I think you were saying earlier that you have actually been, you know, paying a bit of attention to, you know, the various different, you know, video game companies and what, and their various different consumer offerings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. The big ones right now I'm looking at are the PS5, Xbox, uh, the Xbox Series X and the Nintendo Switch. And I must say, I feel like the video game series, uh, video game industry, at the very least, has suffered a lot of what we've seen with the smartphone industry, where you somewhat had these very big technological evolutions at the time for the genre, at least for genres. Like you had like the advent of the open world and whatnot. You had the advent of you know SSDs and all that different stuff. But really, what's happening is that I feel like as an industry, they become very comfortable in what they do. And because it's become very comfortable and people are very familiar with this stuff, they've somewhat become a bit lazy in a lot of their ideas and the designs. And so we've had a lot of recycling in the industry to the point where everything is somewhat just a slightly tweaked iteration of the same thing. And, and because of this, we somewhat get like the same drivel over and over again. And it becomes somewhat tiring to see the fact that you know, it's basically the same thing. So to speak, it's the same open world game, the same FPS shooter, it's the same RPG, whatnot and whatnot. And there's nothing, no, there's no real new ideas coming out of the market. And while one could argue that, oh well, these new consoles they have such new specs, they're new upgrades, or the SSD, or the uh, the pause state, and all that, whatever. Really, they're all just small iterations. There's no, there's been no real jump 
in sense like technological evolution to really incentivize upgrading to the new generation like we had like between something like the ps2 ps3 generation where we had like this actual difference in graphics where it turned from like this blocky polygonal nonsense like proper like uh smooth textures and it's like oh wow it's like the actual like wow factor I mean, there's no wow factor anymore in the industry i feel like it, it somewhat of a combination of both the fact that we've somewhat technologically plateaued in a sense and we've gotten way too comfortable what we have there's just nothing more really to incentivize any uh innovation any ideas or anything but yeah i mean well yeah was that i definitely agree with that and i think especially having a few people who are very familiar with video games yeah, on my podcast before i think it's really interesting to see yeah, everyone's different perspective on you know the current market and then especially to hear from you as someone who's you know, really studied this um you know throughout the years and you know i think it's it's interesting like you said that everything is really converging now and that you know we're such at a plateau that you know it really it's really changed the way that a lot of people have interacted with um you know with these consumer products and yeah and so for you you know what are your thoughts about how especially in terms of microsoft with their you know with the xbox and the yeah the xbox stuff really being able to work you know alongside the pc you know for lack of better words and yeah and for really it all to i guess work together yeah. So I think Microsoft's stance on cross-platform is pretty interesting because it's somewhat of a deviation from previous marketing texts we've seen before, especially with companies like Sega, Nintendo, and Sony, where they really like to keep their items exclusive and their IPs. It's like, you know, kind of limited to their properties only. And in a way, you can kind of see the market advantage of it where by putting their games and their really by allowing people to interact with their platform on a much larger base, you can potentially draw in more, a much more uh, larger consumer base. But there's also the argument that realistically, by trying to, I guess, you could say, reach out to too many platforms, there's someone diluting the very, I guess, uh, incentive of buying their products, where now you have people who are basically saying, well, what's the point of buying an Xbox when realistically I can just buy one of their games and play it on the PC? And so it's an interesting tactic. Well, we haven't yet seen the fruit of the, uh, the, the, the fruits of this tactic, mostly because Xbox has not been performing well in general, and they haven't been really, I guess you could say, putting out games to actually test their theory out. But personally i think it's an interesting idea and i think in the next few years we may see how it works out especially with game pass and a lot of the other different uh, marketing strategies they're doing to try and like draw on a bigger uh consumer base for the xbox platform i think that's actually an interesting point that you brought up about you know really being able to test it out and, and at the same time that you know being able to have this you know, to be able to have the Xbox overall brand really be able to stretch out beyond their own products. You know, it's like it not only, you know, like you said, enlarges how much people can really, I guess, get into Xbox, but at the same time, 
you know, why would you buy the new Xbox at that case? And yeah, it's almost, to me, it actually just made me think about in the sense of when the Wii U came out from Nintendo a very long time ago, where, you know, for the most part, it was more so a, I don't know, it felt more like a, we're adding a ton of features to the pre-existing Wii than it was, you know, a fully new device. I mean, as much as we love cross-compatibility, I think a lot of consumers are really confused as to why should I upgrade to the Wii U when most of the stuff is already on the Wii. Yeah, definitely. And it, it does bring in at least two interesting points. Well, the first point is that the Wii U was certainly a very odd console to begin with. And as you did say, people did get confused with it with the Wii. And another part of it is the idea of whether or not we should actually allow backwards compatibilities with the previous generations and an interesting thing. But first off with the Wii U, I think the Wii U was kind of in an interesting uh, place, at least like market-wise, because of the fact that it as one, as you did say, it does get confused a lot at the add-on to the Wii. But also because of the fact that the Wii U itself didn't really have any many attracting products, so to say, onto it. Um, as I speak looking at before, there's not real, there's no real incentive to upgrade to the Wii U because of the fact that there wasn't really many enticing games to attract the I guess standard Nintendo crowd to the Wii U. I mean, of course you did have at least at the end of its lifespan uh like Exclusive like Zelda games and whatnot, uh, Zelda, Xenoblade, uh, spin off of Final and whatnot. But really, these came a little too late. And because of that, the platform for the Wii U was just rather deserted by then. And by that point, when it actually started to chug out games for it, it was just somewhat of a fruitless investment in a sense. You had no one really wanting to, uh, no one really had a Wii U to begin with, and no one really wants to buy a Wii U. And by throwing out these games out there, well, you're kind of just throwing out them for them to die. You know? There's no real consumer base to begin with there. And on another point, um, especially when you're talking about, like, well, why should I buy a Wii U when I can play these games on a Wii? It, it does bring up the interesting idea of backwards compatibility, where Consoles like Xbox uh, allow you to play previous games on uh, previous Xbox uh, title games on the different consoles, and PlayStation 5 allows you to play PlayStation 4 games. And it's an interesting thing there that I've heard many arguments on the fact that we shouldn't allow cross compatibility because of the fact that uh, the previous generation is still very new, and people can people can just go out and buy or already do own these consoles. So why allow the usability of these older consoles and somewhat uh, have these as uh, bloat the new consoles with the ability to play these old ones. And I think it's an interesting thought. But at the same time, I think backwards compatibility is also somewhat of an important thing because of the fact that it does allow, I guess, a bigger access to the catalogs you have for a console. And especially when you have something like a new console like the PS5, you're not going to have many exclusive or interesting games on there because of the fact I guess purely because of the fact that it is just so new. I mean, for example, if you look at the PS5 at launch, what games did it have to really draw you into the PS5 that were on any other console? Well, there was one game, really, Demon Souls. And while Demon Souls may have a, a big enough following to support like, I mean, like a few thousand PS5 consoles, it wasn't really enough to really uh, push out millions of consoles that people really wanted to see. And so the interesting part of backwards compatibility is that it can provide uh, a incentive to 
uh, purchase a PS5 because of the fact that you can basically advertise this console as being able to play as an upgraded version of the game Zero Deal, right? You can you, not only can you play new games, but you can also play these old games, but also boost effects. So they're now in 4K. Oh, they're now going to 60 FPS and whatnot. I thought backwards compatible. I think personally, I think backwards compatible. Generally, I think the inclusion is rather much consoles going forward, especially if they want to keep their the initial early adopters, uh, what's the word? Uh, I guess you could say, especially if, if they want to keep the uh, initial adopters rather invested in five more than uh, consoles. But yeah, that is really an interesting, yeah, interesting argument to point out. And and I'm sorry, your your audio had went, went down a little when you were um, saying the final, the final piece of it, but but I, I was able to, yeah, to hear and interpret like most of it. Okay. Uh, do you want me to repeat that? Or? I I heard most of it, although, although overall, so although I think the part I missed was that when you said overall, which you know which side that you really fall on as to you should do cross compatibility or you should or you shouldn't. Yeah. Well, I'm more like I'm generally more pro backwards compatibility due to the fact that it allows early adopters of like a new console to just have a lot more investment in this new console because of the fact that they can play old games. They can have something to pass the time with while they're waiting for newer games to come and are live to that platform. Yeah, and I definitely agree. And you know, I think a part of that too is almost a you know, I think it's almost reminiscent of the way that computers are in the sense that yeah as i'm yeah as i'm sure you know that in terms of computers a lot of computers especially in terms of microsoft computers are made you know essentially are more or less duplicates of each other in the sense that a lot of the hardware standards date back to essentially the early 1980s with the first ibm pc and you know and the fact that really the whole pc dominance um, personal computer dominance is all thanks to you know the popularity of that one computer and trying and all of the competitors trying to have computers compatible to to it so you know when looking at it in that form it's like you know it's almost where it has you know cr allowed the opportunity to create you know such a large ecosystem but then at the same time, it's almost where, at what point do you say that you have something new? Like, especially for computers that have essentially been rather similar for, you know, quite some time, 40 years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's interesting with computers, at least, because I feel like computers are an interesting thing because it's just so customizable. There's just so much things you can do. And I feel like the current... The current um, current computers, I feel like, kind of deviated from the idea of having technological plateaus because of the fact that computers, or at least PCs in and of themselves, aren't really necessarily there to give you the entire package. The computer you get, uh, like your new laptop, your new um, PC, isn't really the entire package they're trying to sell you. Rather, it's a template for a package. What you do with this template is up to you. But really, I think the beauty of computers is the sense that you can really do whatever you want, that you can customize your own personality, and, um, build it up to whatever your own needs. 
I, I think the interesting part there is that we've seen a lot of the homogenization of computers because of the fact that they're not really they're not really meant to give you a full package because their design is inherently is not to do so. The design is to give you a template, and that's some, is somewhat different with stuff like video game consoles and phones, because video game consoles and phones are trying to give you a full package. The video games are trying, uh, consoles are trying to give you like an entertainment system. Phones are trying to give you like this pseudo like uh what's the word like some of the this hybrid mix of communications and entertainment in a sense. and they're trying to sucker you into this ecosystem they're trying to get you to use the products and services recommended by the producer of this product and computers are somewhat different from that because while microsoft of course may try to peddle its own products and services um Generally, they don't really. Generally, computer providers and producers and manufacturers don't really try to do that in a sense that they want you to solely use their own products and services, but instead allow you to diverge from them and basically do whatever you want from them. Yeah, and you know, and I think to add on to that, even Microsoft in recent years has now like changed their stance on a lot of this, and like they want to promote cross compatibility. Like, sure, you can use your. You know, use this product with that product, and even you know, I just remember several years ago where when back when they promoted you know Windows Phone as the only fully compatible phone to Windows 10, but now they're like, hey, you know, you have an iPad, perfect. You have an Android phone, perfect. Let's let's make them all work together. Let's use it. And you know, I think it's a it's an interesting stance, and it really even ties back into you know what we were discussing with the Xbox earlier, and that. You know, it's it's interesting to see, interesting to say the least, of Microsoft's current stance on, you know, a lot of this, and especially in terms of consumer and like consumer products and services. So, it's interesting to see how that really evolves over the next few years, or you know, whenever whenever it is Microsoft may get their next, yeah, you know, CEO, if that will continue on with them. I think it's interesting, at least with Microsoft, to see how they evolved over time. Because we've seen Microsoft go from this very, I guess you say, protective and somewhat uh, monopolistic, in a sense, company that tries to push out its own products and services, that tries to control its own ecosystem and market space, to some this very more relaxed and very, I guess, cooperative, I guess, platform in a sense, where they're now trying to. Encourage the usage of the products and services, and trying to uh, reach out to other platforms, other uh, product and service providers to also work with them to also have their services uh, and products you know shared on the Microsoft platform and have Microsoft products and services shipped on their platform. And it's kind of interesting to see how this company has somewhat grown in a sense and evolved over time. Yeah, that is very. Yeah, that is very true, and you know, and I think. Before we go ahead and go to a break, one of the last questions I want to ask you is actually, what consumer products are, actually it might be two questions. The first would be, what consumer products are you most excited for right now in the present day? And then also, like in terms of when searching for a yeah, type of product, what would you say is almost the, I guess, your advice for them? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question there. Uh, well, for the first one at least, well, it might be a little hard to comment on that because I'm a bit jaded when it comes to the consumer technology. But I guess the most excited I am for right now, at least, is 
I guess uh, Samsung folds in a sense, and then the whole new shtick with uh, having like these rollable or expandable phones in a sense. I think it's kind of interesting how they're working on that. And with the second question, uh, sorry, could you repeat that? Second oh, one. Yeah, the second one is like in terms of someone trying to, you know, maybe go think about like. I don't know, like for a consumer product, you know, whether it be a smartphone or a laptop or what have you. And, yeah, you know, if you need to narrow it down, we can do smartphone is what would you say is the best advice when searching for a new product to get? Yeah. So I think when searching for a new product or at least with like the consumer technology, I think the best thing you should look for is first off, it's cost. Well, of course, obviously it's cost, but also is it really uh necessary to what you do is your daily lifestyle is your uh, is your i guess your your usage your technological usage um necessary uh i guess necessarily uh oh boy words escape my mouth uh let's see is the product you're looking for necessarily compatible with your lifestyle in a sense that, do you really need, I guess, a 16 gigabyte RAM phone? Does your daily lifestyle really demand the need for that? Does your daily lifestyle demand for you to have a 256 gigabyte storage on your phone? In the sense that, what, what I guess, well, I guess, what I'm really trying to say is that you should just try and find a product that works to your need and is affordable to you. Don't try and reach out and get like the, I guess the latest and greatest smartphone or computer or uh, video game console just because of the hype. Just get the one, whichever one suits you, right? You don't really need a Samsung uh, S11 Ultra, uh, S21 Ultra or whatnot. Just get like the S20 or whatever, you know? Get the one that's most affordable, most useful for you and the one you can get the most mileage out of, in a sense is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that that is really great advice. And with that being said, I'll be right back with Charles in just one moment. So please stay tuned. And I am still here today with Charles. And so, first of all, this has been a really great conversation. And so are there any last you know, things that you want to say, any questions for me, or just anything in general? No, not really. I guess if I really wanted to say anything, I would just say, you know, just stay safe and stay happy, you know, enjoy life to the fullest and enjoy what you have while you have it. I love that. Yeah, that is really <laughs> great. And as I said before, is this has been a really great conversation. I love that we were able to really get yeah, a lot out of this conversation. So I'm just really happy that you were able to take some time out of your schedule and be here today. Yeah, and honestly, it's been great to be here. And thanks a lot for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully having more conversations with you again in the future. Yeah, me too, definitely. Yeah, well, have a great rest of your day. And of course, to you, Charles, best of luck in all your future endeavors. I'm looking forward to seeing where you go from here. Yeah, thank you. You know, and have a nice day to you too. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Stay safe, stay well, and I'll talk to you all later.